Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1688. Today we're on the road and the track. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in Brooklyn, New York, with a very special guest by the name of Bob Sorokonich. Bob, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I got my five points cinched down, and I'm ready to go here. All right, I'll try to keep us on track. I don't want to do anything crazy here. Before I introduce you, though, and everybody's going to know who you are anyway, I want you to tell us one little thing about you that most people may not know. So most people don't know about me. I actually played classical piano in a concert in Carnegie Hall when I was in high school. Wow. And uh, uh, if you sat me down at a piano today, I would be so unimpressive by comparison. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's one of those things. I played the guitar growing up. In fact, I taught guitar for many summers to make extra money. And then, you know, time kind of evolves. We get busy and we kind of put our musical instruments aside. And I have my guitars here hanging around me. In fact, I even have a Fender Stratocaster limited edition hot rod model, which is pretty cool. How fitting. Yeah, candy apple red. But I have to, I hung them because it reminds me every while to step aside, pull them down and just strum some tunes and pick some notes and kind of pick up with those uh, skills. But yeah, when you haven't done it in a while and you sit down and go, how come my fingers aren't working? What is going on? So (laughs) do you have a piano where you live now where you can sit down and enjoy it once in a while? I have a little electric piano that's been gathering dust under my bed in my tiny apartment here. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> well, maybe maybe today will be a little inspiration to take a break from life. You know, it's kind of nice to get away from the normal things you do and do something a little different. I think you'd be surprised how fast that muscle memory comes back. And, uh, you know, next time you have a friend over, you can impress him or her and uh, play him a little tune. So maybe I'll be a little inspiration for you today, Bob. There you go. I'll do my scales tonight. All right. There you go. I hated doing those scales. My mom would always put a <laughs> timer out, say, okay, you got to do this for 30 minutes, you know, but I'm glad she did. It got me uh, got me going in the right direction. Let me give you a proper introduction. Bob Sorokonich is the deputy editor of Road and Track, America's oldest magazine dedicated to sports cars, racing cars, and the automotive enthusiast lifestyle. Bob writes feature articles, reviews new cars, covers motorsports, and helps steer and shape what you see in print magazine and on the roadandtrack.com website. He was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and he lives in New York City. He is truly an inspiring automotive enthusiast. We'll be back in just a minute to talk more with Bob about what he does and cars and all the fun things they do there at Road & Track. But first, a word from our valued sponsors. They make this show possible, so please give them a listen. Keep your seatbelts on. We'll be right back. Did you know Covercraft offers you much, much more than car covers, floor mats, seat covers, and trunk liners? When you visit Covercraft.com, you'll find Cologne Custom Bras, LaBra Front End Covers, and Hood Protectors that protect your vehicle's front end while on a road trip. No more rock chips or hours removing nasty bug jerky from your grill and your paint. You'll find vehicle seatback organizers that keep everything in check, perfect for those kids in the back seat. Spidey Gear Webs that keeps cargo that's in your truck bed safely in place. Seat heaters, cargo bars, pro nets, rooftop carriers, bumper frames, bump steps, pet ramps, pet travel barriers to keep Fido in the back seat, tire covers, Carhartt backpacks, cooler bags, tote bags, tool bags, and zippered tote bags to keep everything secure. And don't forget their dash mat dashboard covers that shield the sun's damaging UV rays. Covercraft offers you an incredible list of solutions for your favorite rides. They're easy to install, easy to remove pet protection pads, are easy to wash too, and protect your floors and seats from Fido's damaging claws and messy fur and air. And here's something special from me here at Cars Yeah. If you use the code Yeah120 at checkout at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off on me. Covercraft.com. Go there and use the code YEAH120 at checkout for that 10% discount. Covercraft, they've got you covered. When it was time to renew my last policy for my collector car, my carrier's rates went up. They went way up. 
But my usage was the same, and I never had made a claim. No tickets, nothing. What's with that? American Collectors Insurance, that's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? I was too. So I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, am I glad I did. I'm saving hundreds of dollars. I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provide me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a history of taking care of their clients. What could be better than that? Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Bob, we're back. And as we continue on this journey, we're going to call your life. I would love for you to start with a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking a little bit here on Cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel. So a quote that I come back to very often in my writing life is a quote from President Obama. He once said, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And for a writer, it's such a good piece of advice because you can sit down at your computer or at your blank sheet of paper and and you can just agonize yourself and say, oh, I want this to be perfect. I want the very first word to be so inspired. And you can just lock yourself into a, a, a complete tizzy and not even know where to start. It's advice that was given to me by editors that really helped guide me as a writer. And it's advice that I pass on now. You're not going to get perfection on the first try, and you shouldn't have the goal of ultimate perfection right from the start. So I bear that in mind pretty much every day, whether I'm writing or editing or you know doing any myriad of topics. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And it's just a it's a little motivator to just say you know get the ball rolling, and you'll surprise yourself with where you go. This is a really common theme I've heard from many of my guests who are creative, whether they're artists or builders or fabricators or designers or journalists, authors, doesn't matter what it is. You just have to start. And especially when it comes to writing, I do a weekly blog. It's very short. My rules with the Cars yeah blog is you can read it in a minute and a half. It has to be inspirational. It has to have some relationship to automobiles. And you're right. When I sit down, sometimes I want it to just work the first time, and it never does, especially especially <laughs> for me. So what are some ideas that you, other than what you just did, you can offer people out there that sometimes have a hard time getting started because they want it to be perfect right out of the blocks? Well, a lot of my advice is writing advice, and it's advice that I gathered from people who really helped me in my writing career and editing career. And one of the first things I learned is you don't write the first paragraph first. When you're writing, okay. when you're writing, you have the benefit of hopefully having some time to be able to go back and edit and clarify and condense. And so the best writing advice I've ever heard is, you know, you just get that first draft on paper and then you can start fooling around with it. And in that tweaking and tuning process, that's where the brilliance comes through, because you might have a new idea that you, that never crossed your mind as you were writing your notes. But as you're editing, as you're trying to find a way to say something more clearly, it could come to you. This is true in car design. It's true in engineering. It's true in entrepreneurship. It's almost impossible to have your first raw idea come out perfect. Yeah, just expect that to be. You know, I worked at a catalog business for 20 plus years. And before that, in the creative field, and I did a lot of copywriting. And in that catalog, I wrote all the copy blocks for the products that we sold, all the instructional guidelines and things like that. And I had to, like you, other other than a book, now I just interviewed a, a gentleman who wrote a 300-page book the other day, and it took eight years to put this thing together. Now, <laughs> magazine writers, copywriters for catalogs, we don't have that kind of luxury. <laughs> You've got to get the work done. So a couple tips that I've done when I write, I go back and I read it out loud. 
to hear what it sounds like. Another thing I do for editing, which I'm a horrible editor, I, I, never, I miss so many things. I have some great followers who are always kind of send me these texts. Hey, Mark, you misspelled that word on the blog. <laughs> Thank you very much for catching that. How helpful. But one of the, oh, very, they're all great. Yeah, they're really great, helpful. Uh, the other thing is I do is I read it backwards out loud. Interesting. Yeah, it helps me catch misspelled words. And as you know, the biggest area that I always made errors in were names like proper names and numbers. And in the Mm -hmm. car business, you're quoting numbers, statistics. So what are some of the tips you would give listeners if they're writing to try to make their writing better in that relationship when it comes to self-editing? So my writing training came mostly from newspaper writers. And in newspaper writing, you always want to say things in as few words as possible. And you know, sometimes people will say, oh, well, if if you're saying something too short, it takes the art out of it. I don't really think that's the case. I think if you're looking at a sentence or a paragraph or an entire piece, you can almost always find a way to say it more concisely. And that helps you get more ideas in. And it also makes sure that you're being clear to your reader. Some of the best magazine writers and feature writers and long form writers that I've ever met have had some training or background in newspaper writing because you don't want to waste an entire paragraph describing something that you could get in one sentence. Right. You know? And if you free up that space, you've got more space to get other ideas or descriptions or, you know, an aside, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I think if you're editing your own writing or if you're editing somebody else's writing, always keep an eye towards the word count. And, you know, this comes from the days when printed newspapers had a limited amount of space for each article. So they had to be as as tight as possible. It's a really good habit to have. And I think that conciseness can only improve a piece of writing. Absolutely. My son is a great writer, probably because he's been absorbing books his whole life. The guy reads so many books. He got that from my wife, who probably goes through three books a week. It's incredible. And he found an app that was the uh, Ernest Hemingway app. Ernest Hemingway had an incredible way of saying a lot with little. Mm-hmm. And this app, basically, you apply a sentence or a paragraph, and it tries to edit the way Hemingway. Now, of course... It's almost impossible, but I think you get the point. It extracts words that you don't need. And it's really enlightening because when you stop and look and go, you're right, I didn't have to write all that. It's almost like writing instructions. And one of the, the kings of that, and it's one of the things my son does at Google, uh, when you think about, he'll, he'll you'll not like me for this when I say Apple, is uh, mm-hmm. Apple and their, their lack of words for instructions on how to do things is pretty genius, I think, in many ways. And a lot of their products you get don't even have books that explain how to do it. They figure right. out how to do it without, without words. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've got you've dropped some great tips. Well, let's dive into Road and Track because this is a publication near and dear to my heart. It's been around since I was a kid in our pre-show chat. I told Bob that my next door neighbor, Mr. Swanson, used to give me all his old car books. And I've been reading Road and Track forever. Let's talk about, and by the way, one of the recent articles, Future Imperfect Porsche, the Taycan, the electric car they've done. Great article, by the way. I love that. I'm a big time Porsche guy. (laughs) Let's talk about road and track. Now, we all know that magazines, and I'm going to get to the tough question a little bit about challenges because magazines have been challenged of late with the onset of internet and all the things that happen. But let's talk about what you guys are trying to do today, what you are doing today to make the magazine and keep the magazine relevant, new and fresh. So the first thing that subscribers are going to start noticing is the magazine, the physical magazine itself is going to look very different starting uh, with the next issue. Previously, we were 10 issues a year. We're moving to a large format, six issue a year magazine, meaning you'll receive it every other month, Mm -hmm. but it's bigger, it's thicker. It's a coffee table size collectible magazine. It's the kind of thing that you will want to display on on your bookshelf. Yay! And and that's the idea. I mean, I've been on the magazine side at Road & Track for the past two years. And what we've been trying to do this entire time is focus on what magazines do best. And that's not breaking news. That's not car show news. It's not the latest race results. You've got the internet in your pocket for that. So what we really came to is this idea that 
a magazine excels at telling a story beautifully with jaw-dropping visuals, gorgeous photography, cutaway drawings, schematics, and that can be taken out of the news cycle a little bit, such that if you picked up an issue of the magazine three months later, six months later, a year later, you would still enjoy reading it and it wouldn't feel passe. Mm. So that's been our focus really for the past two years on the magazine side. Mm-hmm. And now beginning uh, beginning with the next issue that readers receive, they will start receiving this supersized road and track magazine. And this is the kind of stuff that magazine industry people dream of is having a large format, high quality, thick paper magazine. And it's something that I think readers will really cherish and enjoy. And as part of this shift with the magazine, we've got a whole new setup for subscribers where you're not just subscribing to a magazine. Now you you're joining the road and track track club. This is a three-level tiered subscription setup where, in addition to the magazine, we are hosting driving events, road rallies where you can bring your car and meet up with us for two or three days of gorgeous driving through beautiful scenery, stay at a lovely hotel, have catered meals. We're also planning on doing car factory tours where you can go to some of the most legendary places on earth and watch sports cars supercars, hypercars being assembled, learn about what goes into that. Obviously, a lot of this is on pause for the time being, just because travel is a bit restricted right now. Really? But uh, well, I, I don't know I if you know this. Gee whiz, yeah. I, well, I better, I better pay, wake up, get outside of my house. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been, I've been here in my home office in Brooklyn for, uh, for several oh, months. Yeah, <laughs> I know, and I don't mean to make light of this at all. This has been a major, major challenge. But, but carry on. I'm really excited about what you guys are doing. Absolutely. So the track club, as I said, it's set up into three tiers. At the paddock level, which is the most affordable level, you get the subscription to the magazine, six issues every other month. And then if you upgrade to the grid level, uh, you get the magazines plus all of our online content, plus early access to our live events and all kinds of perks and benefits and gifts. And then if you go all the way up to the founders level, these are the readers who are brought into the inner circle of Road and Track. And these readers are invited to our test events, you know, our performance car of the year testing. Founders level members will get to cast a vote for the performance car of the year, the car that wins the title. They will also get first dibs on coming to these in-person events, these driving rallies, these factory tours, these visits to racing circuits. So really at every level, it's more than just the magazine. It's bringing you into the fold of Road and Track. And, you know, I, I think if you're a Road and Track reader, as you and I both have been for most of our lives, you've always wanted to be able to spend time with like-minded car enthusiasts, walking around, looking at beautiful cars, driving gorgeous roads, visiting racetracks. And, you know, I think this is a really exciting way to get readers more involved in what goes into the Road and Track magazine. Well, you know, I'm really excited about this and kudos to you and your team and uh, everybody who decided to make this very big, bold pivot. It's necessary, absolutely necessary, because we've all seen what's happened to magazines because of the onslaught of social media and all the things that the shiny, I say the shiny objects that we are distracted by every single day. I've been getting magazines my whole life. At one point, up until a few years ago, I had 40 subscriptions. And it's a big pile of magazines. I've been getting for a long time. And I've worked in the advertising industry. And the career I had before this, we bought a lot of advertising. So I always wanted to see what competitors were doing and what the opportunities were. But over the last couple of years, I've stopped getting a lot of them. And I've just called them out because I get them and I find I've already seen all this. Right. Maybe part of it is I'm an older guy. I'm older than you. And I see younger people coming into the publications. And I get that. you got to keep a younger crowd. But they, they just don't – I don't relate to them that well. And I'm sounding really old right now. And I can't believe I'm saying that. But <laughs> And it's too late. I've already said it. I can't retract it. But I think you know what I might mean. Some of the things, even the graphic layouts and things, I go, ugh. And, and I – think of myself as a creative guy. So I like bold, different looking things and I like things to change. I think it's important. So I really want to take my hat off to what you guys have done. You're you're in essence doing a major reinvention here, right? 
Absolutely. And and I'll tell you, it is a little scary and it is a little bit of an uncertain time just for all of these reasons beyond our control. But the truth of the matter is I'm 34 years old and for the entirety of my media career as a writer and a journalist, I've heard people saying, oh, these young people, these millennials aren't interested in print magazines. And what we've learned through some hard work in designing and creating a magazine that speaks to our interests is young people are absolutely interested in reading a well put together, beautifully designed, gorgeously laid out, thoroughly reported, well written magazine. And for folks like me, I spend all day looking at a computer. And when I'm doing my leisure reading after the workday is over, if I'm looking at a screen, it feels like I'm still at work. Oh, yeah. And so I think what we've been able to do is we've been able to focus in on the essence of what magazines do really well and magazines at their best. And I think because the internet gave us the opportunity to take out all of the stuff that magazines don't do well, which is, like I said, breaking news, race results, anything that you can receive instantly via the internet, taking all of that out of the magazine has made for a magazine that really focuses on the strength of the printed product. We've had great feedback from people your age and people older than either of us, uh, all the way down to people who are even younger than me. Mm -hmm. And I think that just proves that if you make a thoughtful, carefully made print magazine, it's going to appeal to a wide variety of people. And, you know, the, the thing that connects all of those disparate groups of road and track readers is These are car enthusiasts. These are people who appreciate beautifully made, beautifully crafted things. And Road and Track magazine is not what you would call a mass produced magazine. It's more like the limited production sports car where you can tell that some craft has been put into it. It wasn't just cranked out, you know, as cheaply as possible. And that resonates with car people. Well, I'm really excited there's a couple uh, past guests I've had in the show here that are doing that. Triple Zero Pete Stout with his Porsche magazine. Very niche focused, but I'm a Porsche guy. But that's the kind of publication that you get. I think he does four of those a year. You don't. You would never throw that away. Oh, absolutely. You, you make space on your shelf for that. Right. It becomes something that is a go-to, like what you just said. And I think you guys are really cutting edge brilliant when it comes to more what I would call mainstream magazines. Another one would be, would be Magneto, a new publication by Jeff and David. They've been guests here on the show. Same kind of concept that these are keeper pieces. They're much bigger, broader. So uh, you guys have pivoted to the new reality today. And I, I really put my hats off because it's a bold, big move and it's scary. And to do those big, bold moves is scary, but you absolutely have to because otherwise you're going to end up like so many others gone and irrelevant. And I think you hit the nail on the head. So it sounds like you guys are doing exactly the right thing. Obviously, my listeners just go to roadandtrack.com. Is that where we go to learn, subscribe and, and come on board and pick one of these tiers to be involved in? So uh, as I mentioned, if you're already a subscriber to the magazine and if your subscription is still effective, you will begin receiving the new larger format road and track with your next issue. And for folks who, I don't know, somehow have not already subscribed, you can go to join.roadandtrack.com and you can see the different tiers of the subscription and the different benefits you get with each tier. And uh, you can subscribe right there and you know, you'll, you'll start getting this new full-size, coffee table-size magazine. So again, that's join.rodentrack.com. And uh, yeah, I think I think your listeners are going to love what they see here because I know your listeners are hardcore enthusiasts, people who really appreciate the sports car and car enthusiast lifestyle. I think it's a good fit. I think it's a good fit for your listeners. I think it is. Absolutely. In fact, I know it is. Now, Road and Track is ampersand. Road ampersand track, right? For the website, you write out A-N-D. We still haven't figured out how to get that ampersand on, <laughs> on a URL yet. So yeah, it's- yeah, I want to make sure because I'm always, being a graphics guy, used to those little nuances, but I'll make sure that I'll put a link to that on Bob Shono's page. I would encourage you guys, hey, give this a look. If you've, if you've gone away from road and track for some reason or you've migrated into something else, here's something fresh and new. Give them a, tr- give them a chance, give them a track. And um, yeah, I think you're going to be really happy with this. Now, I always ask my guests about a challenge. We may have already covered that, the challenge <laughs> of migrating to something new. Would you agree? Well, that's it's definitely been one challenge. 
I think it's the culmination of philosophies and ideas that we've all had for years and years now. I mean, you know, it's for the folks that I work with, many of us are about the same age. And again, like I said, we've all heard this drumbeat of print media is dying. All people want to do is go on the internet and click on listicles or look at Instagram. We've been running this long-term experiment and an experiment that, that continues with every issue to try and prove that wrong. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, we've had a lot of success with it and we've had a lot of great feedback on everything that we've created. It has proved to us that people appreciate a well-made product. And, you know, I think before I was a car journalist, I was uh, a tech journalist. I was reviewing cell phones and laptops and writing about social media and digital companies. I was a writer for Gizmodo. And a lot of the people who were saying print is dead, everything is online, were the people who were trying to sell us all on these new digital products. Yep. And, you know, it, you, you have to approach that kind of a strong, definitive statement with a little bit of skepticism. I think we've helped to prove that wrong just by showing that a superior product, a thoughtful product, a well-designed, carefully created product doesn't have to succumb to the latest fad. I would agree with you. And if anything, this year has taught us with COVID and the restrictions is the need to pivot and to learn and grow and become something different. I've talked to so many great guests who've learned how to do that. And they've made some major changes and pivots that will actually carry forward in a positive way for so many people. So if there are some positives, which I believe there are from what we've had to deal with this year and what we're continuing to deal with is uh, the need to pivot and change. It's much like being on a road and track. Things change. You've got to adapt. You've got to change your game plan along the way. And uh, that's how you succeed. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to dive into your personal passion for cars here, Bob. So sit tight. Keep the seatbelt on. We'll be right back. Let's step away from the conversation and talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture, across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. Among these nonprofits is TechForce Foundation, a great organization dedicated to solving the technician shortage that threatens the transportation industry today. By providing career development resources and increasing awareness and enthusiasm for the tech profession, TechForce is bringing bright young students into the auto, diesel, aviation, marine, motorcycle, motorsports, and restoration worlds. To date, they've awarded more than $10 million in scholarships and grants to tech students. And in times like these, I don't have to tell you how essential those techs are. Keeping our delivery and emergency vehicles running and keeping America rolling. To learn more about TechForce or to make a donation to this cause, visit www.techforce.org. You'll be glad you did. So what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 podiums, multiple Daytona wins, and a win at Le Mans? Racer and the Racers Group team owner, Kevin Buckler, founded Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series. These are four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends, titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Apex. It's a rich and complex blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, and Cabernet Franc. This blend is a showcase of perfection and hits the apex with its full-bodied smooth finish. An added very cool option is the label. It's a multi-dimensional rumble strip apex reminiscent of turn four at Laguna Seca. The racing series is a spectacular gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps, at checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of the wines from the racing series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout 
for $10 off your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to adoberoadwines.com today and use the code CARSYEAH. Cheers! All right, we are back, and I'd love for you to share a story with me that instigated this passion that you have for cars, that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were a bit of a car guy. So I actually called my mom and asked her if she could try and dig up this photograph so I could send it to you. She wasn't able to put her hands on it, but one of my earliest memories is I was three years old, and we were getting ready for Halloween at preschool. And my mom goes, well, what do you want to dress as for Halloween? And I and I say, I want to be a car. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom, God bless her, you know, she's a very creative woman. She was an interior designer. She whipped up this costume, and she made it out of almost like memory foam, like you put on top of a mattress. Yeah. And she made a Volkswagen Beetle that I wore with suspenders. I, I stood in the middle of it and put it on like, like, you know how old time cartoons, sometimes they'll wear a barrel instead of clothes. That's kind of how I wore this uh, styrofoam car. And she put a racing helmet on me and a jumpsuit. And I looked like I looked like I could have just come off the set of Herbie. You know, I, I imagine the audacity of a three-year-old saying, Mom, I want to be a car for Halloween. Not a cartoon character, not a uh, not a comic book character, you know, not something where you could walk out and buy a, a costume from the store. Yeah. But my mom made it. And honestly, it's it's been it's been full throttle ever since. And, you know, my mom and dad both were and are enthusiastic about good design in cars, but they're not hardcore car people. Like, you know, I I didn't grow up wrenching on cars with my dad. So they were a little bit perplexed as to where this this sort of car obsession came from. But God bless them. They encouraged it. They nurtured it. They allowed me to fill up the basement with model cars and fill up my bedroom with copies of car magazines. And, you know, it's it's always been an obsession for me. And, you know, my, my career took a bunch of zigs and zags before I got into automotive journalism. But uh, this feels like uh, this feels like the right place for me now. And and my mom always always points out that moment when I was three years old dressed as a car for Halloween <laughs> as as a pivotal moment when she knew that this was not just a passing uh, a passing interest. Well, indeed, you and your mom were ahead of your time. You were the first transformer. So you had a movie idea there before the movie was ever dreamt of. So there you go. I think that's, exactly. that's very cool. What was your first really special vehicle? So I grew up in a Jeep family, but right around the 1996 auto show season, a couple of things happened. I actually, I won a kid's car drawing contest hosted by Road and Track. Uh, No kidding. Wow. Yeah. And I I actually, side note, I brought that issue with me for the job interview and (laughs) nobody else took a chance. (laughs) I know. They might might as well have just gone home. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so as part of the prize, Road and Track gave tickets for me and my parents to go to the New York Auto Show. Mm -hmm. And that's where we saw the first generation Porsche Boxster, the the 96 generation. And I was obsessed with that car and I pestered my parents, you know, they got me the model car they got me the poster on the wall that you know you remember the show car it was silver with sort oh, of yeah. a yeah kind of a orangey tomatoey interior and it had, yeah yeah had the, exactly. the scoop down low instead of a pie in the fender and oh yeah oh my god such a beautiful car and i actually my dad ended up uh being so smitten by this car that i kept getting models and drawings and posters and toys of uh eventually he went out and bought a 986 boxster in that color combination and uh that's so that has been sort of the touchstone sports car in my life. Even to this day, when I see a first generation boxer on the street, they just have such a clean classic look to them. And and that's a car that always holds a, a, a warm spot in my heart. Yeah, they always kind of uh, remind me of a Miata in a way. Uh, first gen Miatas when they came out. Very simple, clean, basic, but fun. And I've always loved the Boxster. I love the Cayman. Mm-hmm. I guess my lack of follicles on my head steers me away from convertibles, even though I, <laughs> I, I did have a uh, 84 Carrera for many years when I lived in San Diego and I drove it to work every day. Well, here I'm going to get into your head a little bit, Bob. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a car. Now, as a writer, it's important to understand the rules here. It's not what you want to be. It's how you perceive your personality as a vehicle. What would Bob be and why? So I'm going to cheat a little bit here because this is this is something that I've been told by multiple people. Okay. 
A couple of months ago, I finally bought an XJ Jeep Cherokee, and yeah. I'd been on the hunt for a two-door Cherokee forever, and I finally found one two-door stick shift. It was the exact one that I wanted, and as three or four different friends, as soon as they saw this rig, they said, oh, Bob, that is that is you in car form, <laughs> and, and I like it because, you know, first of all, the XJ... It's not flashy, but it's got sort of an elegant restraint to the design. It's a reliable vehicle. It's capable. It's dependable. And especially now, my XJ is a 94, so it's technically a classic car. But it's got sort of a timeless design to it that does not feel so beholden to trends. I think it still looks like a clean, modern design. And I still think it looks good on the road. So maybe a little older, maybe a little simpler, but reliable, dependable, capable, and maybe even a little charming. I think I'm going to say if I woke up as a car, I think I would be an XJ Cherokee. I like it. And I like the reasoning behind it. That car has withstood time very nicely with the design. Very clean, very simple, uh, adaptable, all those things. So there you go. Nice way to answer that question. All right. We're (laughs) entering the last lap. This is where the seatbelts come in. Uh, I'm going to fire off some questions, get some quick blips of that Jeep Cherokee throttle from you. So here (laughs) we go. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? So I always try to learn from the people who Uh, represents success to me, whether that's the people that I report to in work or writers whose work I admire. I try to find their habits and what sets them apart. Sometimes maybe there's a little bit of mimicry involved, but I always try and figure out what made that person successful or what makes their art successful. So learning from other people. Oh, it's great. Now, you probably had the opportunity, I should say, to speak with a lot of great people in your job. If I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? So I would have to go with Raymond Lowy, the designer. This is a designer who shaped more of the modern look than just about any one person that I could think of. I mean, you know, car designer, but also a logo designer, a graphic designer, somebody who designed appliances for the home. You know, every time you see the Coca-Cola logo, that's got Lowy's fingerprint on it. And so, yeah, I think somebody who could think about automobiles and who shaped some of the most beautiful Studebakers that ever existed, but who could also take that talent and apply it to everything that you would touch in a, in, over the course of a day. That's a person that I want to meet. Yeah. Being a designer my whole career, he is a master. I mean, just the guy just had this ability to do things. It was incredible. Absolutely. When it comes to uh, automotive advice, what's the best advice someone else ever offered you? <laughs> so I was I was riding in the passenger seat with a track instructor on a, on a very rain covered track. And he said, he told me, they tell pilots, fly the plane until you hit the ground. Meaning <laughs> if, if you, if you yeah. start to lose control, don't give up, don't let go of the wheel. Don't, you know, don't panic and just say, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doomed. You keep fighting and you keep trying to maintain control or regain control right. until you're, until you're no longer able to either because you pulled out and you're safe or because something large and immovable stopped you. But, uh, keep flying until you hit the ground. That's, that's my, that's my favorite automotive advice. Now, how about resources? I would assume a great resource here is going to be Road and Track, of course. So I'll make sure I put a link to that and a link to how you can sign up uh, and join them if you're not already a subscriber. But is there another great resource? Maybe it's just one go-to that you find yourself on their website quite often. So uh, I, I'm sure your readers are familiar with Bring a Trailer. Uh, oh, that is- little place. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and I should note, you know, Bring a Trailer is owned by the same parent company that owns Road well, and Track. Well, you know, Randy's been on the show here a couple times. And when I'll tell you, the first time I had Randy Nonnenberg, one of the co-founders of Bring a Trailer on Cars, yeah, he announced on my show, I got a scoop, they call in journalism, right? Yeah. He said, we're going to start something new. We're going to have this little thing called an auction. <laughs> yeah. And uh, look at where it took him. Uh, he got uh, a nice payday from Hearst and now is involved with you guys and has the resources behind him to take that brand to a whole nother level. You know, I always say to Randy, you have eaten up a lot of my life, fella. Oh, my God. Mine too. Looking at cars I didn't even know I ever wanted. 
Well, and the great thing now is now that Bring a Trailer is part of the Hearst Autos family, I can say that I'm at work when I'm browsing. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. Now, is there a book that you've read that you'd like to uh, introduce our listeners to? So a book that has really informed my writing and, and one that I try and hand to any writer that I ever work with, it's called On Writing Well. It's by William Zinser. He was a uh, longtime feature writer, and this is a book for specifically for people who want to write nonfiction. Basically, anything that you're reading in automotive media is nonfiction, whether it's a review of a car or a road trip story or a historical story. And this is a book that I keep with me all the time. It's called On Writing Well. And it's by William Zinser, and it's easy to find wherever you can find books. The best bet is actually if you get a copy given to you by an editor, which is how I got mine. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Great book. I'm glad you recommended that for anybody. And, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people really could uh, benefit from working on is their writing skills, because we all write now. Little did I know when I took that typing class in junior high and all my guy friends laughed at me and said, that classroom's just full of girls. And I winked and said, yeah, I know. (laughs) Then they went, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I should learn how to type. I'm so thankful I took typing in junior high and high school because little did we know back then. Now, you're young enough, you could be my son, but that we would all be typing all day long every day. So I'm so grateful. I'm very fast at the keyboard. And I know it's because of those early classes, but that book is absolutely brilliant. I think everybody could benefit from adding that to their repertoire. All right, Bob, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a collector card today. I'm that kind of a guy, but there are some rules to my game. As my listeners know, it's the only one you can have in your garage. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. So if you pick an expensive one, you're stuck with it. So what am I buying Bob Sorkonich today? Well, Mark Green, I can't believe how generous you've been. (laughs) You're welcome. And life has treated you so well that you could gift me a McLaren F1. Oh, gosh. I will cherish this car and I will drive it every day. And every 10,000 miles when it needs a clutch, I'm going to bring it back to you and say, Mark, it's time for another one of those carbon fiber clutches. Oh, (laughs) McLaren F1. Well, you know, I tell you what, to me, that car has become the... Ferrari GTO of collectors of today. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just absolutely amazing how that car has come along. I tell you, I just had a guest on the show, Rick Ward. And Rick uh, just did the graphic. He's the designer, the graphics for a new book about uh, really cool sports cars. And that Gordon uh, Murray, who, of course, designed the McLaren F1, did this sports car. And what I didn't know about Rick when during our talk was that he did all the graphics for that car, including the logo design. He designed the instrument panel. He designed all the printed material when they launched that car, which I didn't know that. And like, oh, my gosh. And I got to go to the factory when they were building that car, when it first was coming out. No kidding. I would have named this car as my pick, even if I had never driven one. But about a month ago, I had the lifetime dream of being able to drive a McLaren F1 on the track at Lime Rock Park. And now listen, I mean, it it was a dream, but it was also the most nerve wracking (laughs) uh, two laps that I ever did on that track. Yeah. But the amazing thing about this car, this is now a 25 year old car. Uh, you know, the example we had, I think, was 26 years old. Same same age as my 1994 Jeep Cherokee, uh, but a world away <laughs> a as far bit. as driving. Uh, yeah. But the, the shocking thing is this car felt as impressive, as powerful, as quick as any of the new hypercars that I've driven. And I'm blessed that I've been able to drive most of the new hypercars that are out there today. This naturally aspirated all analog, no uh, no safety controls car, 26 years old. It blew my hair back in a way that no modern supercar can, mm-hmm. just because it's so visceral and it's so direct. And if you closed your eyes and you were driving that thing, you would believe you were driving a brand new car. One that just happened to have avoided all of the turbo and hybrid 
and digital traction management that plagues so many cars today. But that would be my dream car. And Mark, I can't thank you enough for giving me You're welcome. Well, you're very welcome. I'm so happy to do that for you. Now, I know in Brooklyn, garages are maybe hard to come by. Am I going to have to buy a garage with this thing too? <laughs> well, I mean, look, you wouldn't you wouldn't give somebody a, a, a beautiful uh, thoroughbred horse and not give them someplace a to stable. Buy it. Yeah, you need a stable. Yeah, you wouldn't want to park a McLaren on the street in Brooklyn. Probably not. Somebody might bump into it. Well, yeah. you know, uh, you picked a really cool car. Absolutely brilliant. I've never had the luxury of driving nor riding in one, but one of these days somebody will toss me the keys or tell me to climb in one of those side seats because that, of course, has the center seat driving That's position, right. which is pretty darn cool. What color would you like yours to be just so I get the right car? So I'm going to have to go with silver uh, because that was the show car color. And uh, and I was a young, impressionable uh, lump of clay when that car came out. And I think it, the way that it looked on the show stand is the way that it must uh, in my garage. Here's a little thing. Trivia question. Maybe you know the answer to this. What color did Gordon Murray originally choose the show car to be? You know, I don't know that off the top of my head. Well, Rick shared that with me. It was going to be red. Really? Yeah, and they all sat and talked about it and said, nope, it can't be red. And you do, do you know why? The reason why is because red does not show up that great in print, especially in newspapers in black and white because it goes dark. Interesting. This gentleman, Rick Ward, and uh, my listeners can hear him. He was on just four or five days ago. Can listen to the reasons why, but I didn't know that. But it kind of makes sense. Uh, I'm a red car guy. I have been for a long time, although now I've deviated into some I kind of like wild and crazy colors. But I do like silver. My E46 M3 I've had since new is silver. Oh, and they look so good in silver. Yeah, but that's why that car was switched or was painted silver originally, so that it could reflect everything and show up nicely in uh, magazines uh, that are black and white and newsprint that was black and white back in the day. Uh, because again, this was 26 years ago. So there's a little trivia question there for you that you can you can answer. It's kind of like the first Lamborghini Countach that sits in the Lamborghini Museum, which is green, but that car was not green to begin with. It was originally red. And huh. uh, Ferruccio painted it green because he took it to a second car show and he wanted everyone to think that there were two of them. Oh, I knew it was going to be some subterfuge yeah, like that. Yeah, it was a Shelby Cobra trick. I remember <laughs> Col Shelby did that with his first Cobras. He painted them different colors and took them to different shows just so everyone thought there was more than one. So, And my journalist colleagues all got duped. Yep, all we all did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bob, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew this would be fun. Thank you for sharing your journey with all my listeners. Before I let you go, could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that? McLaren F1. You know, I, I mentioned a little earlier that before I was a car writer, I was a tech reporter. Even before that, I was actually in medical school for a couple of years. Wow. I thought I... I thought I wanted to be a doctor and I honestly should have seen the warning signs, you know, such that like I wasn't enjoying the school. I wasn't really succeeding in the school. I didn't find it engaging. I didn't find the, uh, the material to be engrossing. And uh, it took me a long while to find my way into this career mm. and it fits so well. And I think my, my parting advice is, you know, if you're doing something and it doesn't feel right, you can trust that feeling. And uh, when it took me a lot of years to learn to trust it, but when I finally did, it started me down the path that led me here to where I am now as the deputy editor of the car magazine that I've been reading for my entire life. Yeah. So, you know, I, I learned to trust that feeling and I learned to let go to that feeling and uh, only good things have come since. Well, it's great advice. And having been around a few more years than you, I always say your instincts and your gut are almost always 99.9% .9 correct. Listen to them. Let them guide you because that's your inner mind saying, this is the way. So great advice. And again, what are the many ways for my listeners to learn more about Road and Track? And if they're not subscribing or if they deviated away and they need to come back to this new and improved reinvented Road and Track, how to how to sign up? Come back to the fold, please. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so that website is join.roadandtrack.com. And uh, they'll be able to see all of the different subscriber tiers. And uh, they'll be able to get a little taste of what the new uh, expanded full-size Road and Track looks like. And I just want to say, you know, for all of our subscribers who have been with us through 
a lot of different changes over the years. We really appreciate their support and their dedication and their continued enthusiasm for this magazine because a magazine doesn't get to 70 plus years without some phenomenal fans and readers. And uh, we we always want to thank our readers and we always want to make sure that they know that they are the reason why Road and Track is where it is today. Absolutely. And I would encourage you folks to check out what's coming. This is new. This is bold, innovative, different, exciting. Yeah. Come back to the fold if you left. Uh, and if you didn't, good things are coming. You can find everything on Bob's show notes page and the Cars Yeah website in case you're riding or running or jogging or driving, whatever you're doing while you listen to this show. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Bob Sorokanich, S-O-R-O-K-A-N-I-C-H. You'll find him there. Just put Bob in there and you'll be able to find him very easily. I want to do a shout out to Tom Gibson of Gibson Communications who uh, brought Bob to Cars Yeah today. Tom brings me some great uh, guests here on Cars Yeah. Thank you for that. Bob, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your many experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Always a great time to chat. Pleasure's all mine. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yow for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!